Hey listeners, welcome back to Pink Salt. We are getting more and more downloads each week, so thank you all for listening in and leaving reviews. It's all so helpful in getting more people to listen, so it's greatly appreciated. Last week, people loved Kyra and RJ's episode, so I just wanted to say thank you for such an open discussion. I'm happy to have had you on here to share so generously. And this week's episode features JC and Dylan. JC's a good friend that I met out here when I moved to LA, and she has since moved back to Nebraska, where she's from. She's met and married her husband, and they have just moved to Colorado together. And I just got back from visiting them there, though this conversation happened before that trip was even planned. Uh, These two are such a lovely, aligned couple, and I thank them both so much for opening their home to me and their hearts on this episode. So, cheers to JC and Dylan, and please enjoy their story. Talent is cheaper than table salt. What separates the talented individual from the successful one is a lot of hard work. Upon learning this quote, table salt became my symbolic reminder to keep up the hard work. This developed into pink salt, the hard work that goes into successful relationships. The idea for this podcast was born of my innate curiosity about intimacy and relationships, and I wanted to include the spectrum of relationships, intimate but also familial, professional, even individual relationships, to finances, food, faith, you name it. The relationships that take up space in our lives are endless, yet many of us feel societally imposed taboo when those relationships get difficult and maybe need some elbow grease. Pink Salt reminds us to have grace for the people and things around us when things don't go as easily as we pictured. I'm your host, Jacqueline Chantel. Let's get to work. Listen, subscribe, and leave a review. So you guys have been married for a year and like a few months, like a year and four months. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're more on top of that than we are. I feel like you have lived a lifetime already. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Yay. We're happy to be here. Let's talk about it. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you on. We have honestly, I feel like done a lot of stuff in the three years that we've been together. Yeah. That's all it's been? been? We've only been together three years. Yeah. That means that I've seen you within three years. Three years. Crazy. (laughs) It feels like it feels like 2020 is so far away. That means Mm -hmm. that you must have been in LA in 2019. 2019. That was the last time. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. That's that's that that seems so far away. Wait, I mean, yeah, I guess it kind of, but it, it feels like 2020 lasted five years. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the thing. And then it's weird because 2021 feels like it wasn't there at all. I don't know. I feel like that year just kind of slipped by because we were still so hung up on 2020. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. Things happened two years ago. Two years basically. ago. Yeah. Well, and then two we were planning on seeing people in 2020 for our wedding. Yeah. So it's like that, that just, we didn't get to see a soul last year. No one did. No. So, well, let's uh, talk about how and when you met. 
Key. Oh yeah. Key. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take this in away, darling. Oh. I always. Uh, I want to hear your side of the story. My side. That's the same side. I so I worked at a bar in my last semester of college after I was done playing football and was just kind of going to class. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should start because <laughs> this makes me sound bad already. <laughs> I was. I think I was twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Let's let him finish. And then I want to hear why it makes him sound bad. (laughs) Uh, I I just worked game days. So I'd work on Saturdays and, you know, I guess check IDs and throw people out if I needed to. Uh, And I don't know if it was the third game in. I think it was about the third game in. I was asked to cover the front gate the first time and just so happened that that day there was somebody working at the beer trough right next to the front gate. And well, I thought she was, uh, <laughs> she was, a an attractive young woman. So I, after maybe young 10 minutes, keyword of, there yeah. thought I was young. <laughs> I think there was maybe 10 minutes of silence, you know, standing there together before, uh, I commented on some other young man trying to ask her for a number. And I figured, you know, any girl would just say, oh, I have a boyfriend, you know, just to, if they don't want to do it, just kind of get out of it. She didn't say that. And I thought it was very strange. And it wasn't until maybe a year after that I realized that she didn't want to say that because she didn't want me to think she had a boyfriend. Um, Wait, so you, somebody asked you for your number. Yes. I was standing at the, (laughs) okay. Yeah. We'll go to my side of this. I was, that's when I was working. I owned the yoga studio. I was working at the salon full time, but Megan, who I travel with and I were planning on going to Ecuador. So I needed some extra cash. And I remember my boss, like, or my, the owner of the salon I worked at even saying, your take, if you do another job, you're insane. But the owner of this bar, bar called me and was like, Hey, we just need someone to work beer trough on game days. I'm like, that's easy money. I literally just crack beers open for people and make money. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'll use that cash. I'm like, if I'm not, if I'm not doing beer trough, I'm going to be at the bar getting drunk anyway. So I might as well be making <laughs> money at the bar and still getting drunk. <laughs> still getting drunk. <laughs> yes. Don't tell Matt I said that. Um, he knows. Yeah. Either way, yes, I was working that day. I'm scoping out the bar when I get there from the front. I see this guy at the back. I'm like, oh, that guy is a smoke show. And then I started watching him and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think he might work here. And sure enough, Danny, this guy, Danny, he's like a fixture of the bar. He always works at the front. He switched with Dylan and Dylan worked the front for the first time that anybody other than Danny has worked there. I was so nervous because you know me, you know me and I'm bad at dating and I'm awkward 
and I get super nervous around guys. She says so, that. She says that. <laughs> she thinks I'm good, but she I think says I'm that right. I know that, but I don't know that to be true. She just, I know her to think that that's true. Yeah. I think that that's true. <laughs> but <laughs> lucky for you, you never have to date again. But I know. Oh my God. There you I go. know. And it's yeah. the best. Like, that's, please don't ever divorce <laughs> me because I don't ever want to do it. I feel like when, when Harry met Sally, you know, there's that part where the couple's in the bed and they're like, Oh, don't ever make me go through that again. I feel like that all the time, but either way. So yeah, we're standing there for a little bit. And then this guy comes up to the beer trough and asks me if for my number and asks. no, I think he asked if I had a boyfriend first. Normally. Yes. I always say, Oh yeah, sorry. I do No, this guy asked me that. And I'm like, Oh <laughs> no. And then Right. That's when he asked for my number. I'm like, okay, move along. As soon as the guy walked away, first words Dylan ever spoke to me was, I figured you'd say you had a boyfriend either way. And I just remember responding. I'm like, if I say I have a boyfriend either way, I'll never have a boyfriend. Will I? (laughs) So that was how we started the conversation. But literally it was about a year later when I'm like, I used to say, I'm like, of course I always (laughs) say I have a boyfriend. It's just, you were standing there and I didn't want you to think I had a boyfriend. Yeah. She was like, here's the door. I'm going to open it. Open it, walk in and it works. (laughs) But that was the funny part then because we talked and talked and then he was interested in yoga. He knew I owned the yoga studio. So he's like, I've been trying to find a place to practice, which now it makes me sound even worse because he ended up like messaging, DMing me that night, wondering about coming to a class. I was so nervous. It took me like two hours to respond to his DM to make sure all my words and emojis were in the right spot. And then he was going to come to a class that Tuesday. And I seriously texted like everyone I knew, like, please, please come to this class. I wanted to make sure that it looked like there were as many people there as possible. (laughs) And uh, yeah, then that night I invited him to a concert and he came. And so that was kind of like our first date, Mm -hmm. but it was probably like, I thought it was strange. Like when I met him, mind you, I met him when I was 28, almost 29. Like he said, he was 22. You see him. He's, (laughs) he looks like Jason Momoa. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like Jason Momoa. And he's about the same size. (laughs) 40. Yes. And he looks older. And it was, I thought like, I knew he was still in school. I figured though, since he said he'd played football and wasn't playing football anymore. I figured, okay, he's a non-traditional student or a grad student. Right. And then I thought it was strange too, that I noticed in his back seat when he was driving me somewhere one day, he was driving me home. Um, and there was a backpack there, like a school backpack. I'm like, this is not good, but it was like probably a week and a half later when we were out with, my girlfriend who was like 32 at the time and the guy she was dating who was 40 and I invited Dylan along. And that's when my friend asked like, Dylan, how old do you think JC is anyway? And I think he's like, I don't know, 24 or 25. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh no. And then Emily's like, Dylan, how old are you? I'm like, let's not, we don't, don't want to do this here. Did you know? I had no clue. I had no idea. So this is like second or third date. Yeah, it's probably, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'd probably, we'd known each other for a couple of weeks, couple of weeks at yeah. that point. 
no clue he was and that's when he said can't believe we hadn't talked about how old we didn't talk about it and i think maybe i was avoiding it because i knew he was younger but yeah he said 22 and i'm like when do you turn 23 please god make it be before i turn 29 (laughs) nope nope so that was that was tricky at the time but I don't know well, do you there. think it would have, do you think you would have even like, uh, I feel like if you knew that he was younger, it's possible that, you know, like the, yo, like coming to the studio, inviting him to the concert, like maybe never those things don't it. happen. I would never, so it's probably best yeah, that you did it. Like I it worked out. It worked out it, the way that it was supposed it did. to. Like that's, I would not have entertained it at all because even after knowing him for two weeks, I knew that he was very emotionally mature and had gone through a lot of experiences by the time he was 22. And I told him before, I'm like, honest, I always said, I never thought that online dating or apps or anything would work for me. Well, they wouldn't have because my age limits wouldn't have even included him. Like I never (laughs) even would have met him because my cutoff was 25. (laughs) So how important was the age for you, Dylan? Uh, I didn't care. I mean, I didn't. I didn't, I've never really worried about it. I mean, like outside of legal parameters, <laughs> that is, you know, um, but I just knew that over those weeks, like I had really enjoyed the time that we got to spend together. And um, I really enjoyed going to classes and all that and going to the concert yoga classes, not his actual college classes. <laughs> I didn't really enjoy those. <laughs> Uh, but I, it, I guess it never really was a thought in my mind that JC might be much older than me. I mean, I don't even think six years is that big of a difference. I think at that time where, you know, you have a 22 year old and 28 year old there, I guess there is a lot that happens in those mid twenties that, uh, a lot of people might not have experienced yet, but yeah, I was, I guess I was pretty well geared up to just kind of be done with college and start like a life, you know? So I had a lot of those early 20 mindsets kind of put behind me at that point already. Well, and I think that was because all along, like I, when I first met him, like I knew he was younger automatically, like when our nickname for him was junior high, like I literally used to call him junior high. And all along, he would always, he still says, oh my God, six years isn't that big of a deal. The second he graduated college, it, it just wasn't, but it also did take me getting to know him because for him, like he was saying those experiences, I didn't have like, you know, this, I had most of my life experiences like that really made me form into a person, my mistakes, my Mm -hmm. debauchery, all of those things happened in my mid twenties. He did all of those things around the age of 18 to 22. So (laughs) that was kind of the difference is that for me, I had a hard time fathoming that he had that life experience Mm -hmm. to be on the same page as me, but he had, and he knew that he had. Yeah. I feel like the same page is so interesting because there's so many, I think couples where like the next step 
it's like, let's take the next step. And when is the next step? And for some people, even I feel like the man traditionally or typically is like leading when those next steps happen. And for so many who are much older than Dylan still don't want to take those steps. And then you have couples who are together for like seven, eight, nine years, and there's no talk or, um, tense talk around marriage. So it's pretty interesting to me that you guys, that it happened so quickly and there's the age gap that there is. And I guess who led that? And was it just as traditional as it would be? I'm not going to lead that. Oh, I, I think I was more forward about, you know, next steps in this, in the start of our relationship to be sure. Yeah. Cause I'm very, I don't like being vulnerable at all. And. Oh, I, I shared the worst things about me right off the bat. You did. I always, I mean, I had gone to a point where I felt like I had experienced on my side and, you know, other sides, a lot of, I guess, dishonesty, especially in relationships. Um, and I didn't, I remember thinking when we first met and we're hanging out, I didn't even know if like we were really going to date, mm-hmm. but I knew that like whatever we had, I wasn't really going to have anything left off the table. So if she was going to get to know me, she was going to kind of get to know all of me. Well, um, yeah. And with that too, we, our timeline was so strange. And when yeah. we met, we knew he was moving away in three months. He was graduating, moving to New York. And that was the mm-hmm. end of our, fr- at that point in time, I'm like, well, maybe we'll still be friends. So like, it totally started off as like, like this is just a cool kindred spirit type yeah. of thing that we can be completely open with each other. Yeah. And it doesn't matter because it's, three months it's like he's gone anyway yeah if it's but i mean jc also did was very good about not taking the things that i shared that have either happened to me or that i'd been involved with and kind of apply she didn't apply that to who i was then i felt like she took a look at my current actions and kind of how i acted then when we met and I don't know, really, really did me a service of kind of giving me the benefit of the doubt there. Which I will say that too, because some of the things that he told me, like they're not stuff that not just that you told me, but that we knew about each other right off the bat. There are things that people can be married for 20 years (laughs) and not know about each other. Like just like, very divulgy secrets that you don't mm-hmm. ever share with anybody. So for me too, I say this, and this is something I've, I've talked to people about anyway, is just in relationships. I think it's really, really hard. And I've talked to friends about this when it's such a catch because there's the idea that you should write down what you want in a partner and manifest that so hard. And it should be very specific to what you're looking for on the other shore. You might be able to manifest that the things that I would have manifested out of someone would not have also encompassed these other characteristics that he told me about himself. So for me, I think a huge part of it was 
as you are in a relationship longer and longer, when you first meet someone, everything's just hunky dory. You only see, you know, it's the whole first date you're getting glammed up a year in you're, you know, walking around the house with you haven't brushed your teeth in four days and you know, your legs haven't been shaved in a month because that's really what it's like. But that's when relationships, I think, start going, not that exactly, but that's when relationships start going more South is because you have this person put up on a pedestal, like an ethereal idea of them. Then every time throughout their your relationship, they start sh- showing their actual humanness and their human nature and their flaws. Every time that that happens, you become more and more disenchanted with that person. And that's when the honeymoon phase wears off. That's when you fall out of love with someone is because of that disenchantment, because you had such high expectations for them. Dylan came into this relationship bearing it all set the bar so low for what I should expect from him. Like he really did. He made himself out to seem like not a good person. So the entire structure of how relationships go bad was flipped on its head because when in three weeks time, in a month that I knew him, I'm like, okay, I don't know about this guy. Well, then everything that he did was a happy surprise instead of a disappointment. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense, but I guess it's bringing up the question. Like most people don't want to date somebody who's like bad. Let me date this. Let bad me, guy. No, like that was actually the thing though, is I remember thinking like, no way in hell is this ever a guy that I'm going to date. Like after like a month in, I'm like, that's not the type of guy I'm looking yeah. for. But then like, so that was out there where I'm like, and that wasn't on the table anyway, the the idea of dating because he was leaving. So it was like, no, he's not the type of guy I'm going to date. But then after I spent more and more time with him, I'm like, but he's perfect. Like not perfect because I know his flaws, but he is actually the type of guy I want to date. And he showed that the things that he has gone through and the relationships he's been in and all of these things have created him into a really wonderful partner to be with. Does that, I don't know. That might make sense. Yeah. I think it's important for everybody to know that both of you are Sagittarius. Yeah, here we are. So honesty is important. This all makes a lot of sense, especially because, um, how many places have you been together in three years? And I guess the first trip must've been like right off the bat is the first trip Ireland. Yeah. yeah. First trip is Ireland. Well, I guess what constitutes a trip? Cause first trip could have been Colorado. Colorado. First trip. First trip yeah. was Colorado. But yeah. I know that was, <laughs> well, Colorado, we say this is, this is where we fell in love. Yeah. In yeah. a very strange turn of events. That tell was us. Tell oh, us. Oh God. Look at him. <laughs> He's like, no, don't make me relive it. Which though, wait, oh, I do think it had a big impact on us becoming close, mm-hmm. both his vulnerability and you can say it, the way I handled the situation. Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, that was, I think that was a, that was a trip where our relationship for what it was at that time faced pretty much a, how to put it, uh, fork in the road 
Yeah, yeah. It, was Make either, or break. it was either gonna be, you know, in it to win it, or like this is dissipating right before our eyes. And <laughs> it, mean, it, dissip- it dissipated for a couple hours. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was definitely my fault. It wasn't your fault. There's I, no fault. Yeah, I have I had poor timing though. That's for sure. I kind of I kind of trapped her. I will say sense. though, and that was like what I was so upset with was the poor timing of it. However, if he would have timed it any differently, I would have had the option of saying middle finger. I don't want to <laughs> see you. And like, I, I was trapped. So, well, I guess we'll get to the, so we had a wedding to come to in Colorado. I did. Mm-hmm. I had to come to a wedding and I invited Dylan to be my date. So at this point in time, like we already had started planning the trip to Ireland, like as friends, no, you know, but it's a, yeah. Cause it was over Thanksgiving that I'm like, I was going to take him to a Travis Scott concert for his graduation. And then oh, yeah, that's right. I found tickets to Ireland cause he loves game of Thrones. There was the game of Thrones mm-hmm. tour there. And I'm like, Hey, so for your graduation, instead of Travis Scott, would you want to go to Ireland and do the game of Thrones tour instead? <laughs> and he's like, are you being serious? And I was, but that was like, it wasn't, we hadn't booked anything, of course. So it was just kind of on the table. By that point in time, I knew this was the end of November. December 1st was the wedding. We met end of September. By that point in time, I knew that I had feelings for him. I didn't know what they meant, what, where they were going to go, but I knew that I cared for him a lot. Um, so we're on our drive out to the wedding. We are midway. We're about four hours outside of Lincoln. This is Western Nebraska. It was Western Nebraska, middle of nowhere, <laughs> 10 PM. Yeah. And we're in the car and he like suddenly turns down the radio and just is like, Hey, so how'd you, we need to talk about something right now before this goes further. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I had similar feelings in the sense that I had started to realize that this was becoming more for both of us. So I guess it was, it was a very important release that need to happen. Um, the suspense is killing me. <laughs> oh. I will. I will never forget the way he phrased it. Okay. Well, so we're driving in Western Nebraska, and I turned to her and I I told her that, um, basically that I think did I say that we could never date? No, he said. Did I said I'll never forget the. <laughs> So I know we've talked about how I'm not interested in dating anyone right now. Ah, yeah, that's and I'm was. like, yeah. And he's <laughs> like, well, that's not exactly true. And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to tell me he wants to date me right here. Like, that's what's going through my mind. And I'm like, I'm not ready for that. Like, I freak out thinking like, okay, didn't see this coming. He's like, that's not exactly true. If I were to date someone, there is one person that I would date. And I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't believe he's saying this right now. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, 
it would be my ex-girlfriend. I'm still in love with her. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, mother effer. Like, were you still talking to her? No, obviously. We hadn't been talking. Uh, Why did you? Okay. So why why did he trap me in Western Nebraska to tell me this? Because he would have just walked out if I'd said anywhere else. So, but yeah. like what what were you expecting like what was the I had no idea I did not know what I was expecting I just knew that I knew that anything was going to happen you know I, I knew that there was a chance that shoot she could even just turn the car around but it was it was one of those things except for he was driving, <laughs> was driving? yes you were driving I had no options oh man yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah what were you expecting that's a good question I never even asked that I was not expecting anything I did not know I had no set direction for that conversation in my head I think he just wanted to be honest I was just trying to like not hold anything from you at that point because I could feel because like I said before I could feel the shift kind of happening in a relationship and I don't know, I guess it kind of scared me in a sense that it could possibly go further and I haven't expressed these things. Yeah. Um, and I think I was worried that if I had said it anywhere else that, you know, it might've just been it. Yeah. And- well, I'm sitting here listening to this thinking, okay, so you've been dating or whatever for like a couple of months, you're on your way to a wedding. You Mm -hmm. are thinking about whether it's the Travis Scott concert or Ireland. Like those are big (laughs) gifts for somebody who's like, just a fuck boy. (laughs) Like if he already told you that he didn't want to date you or like that this wasn't the right time to be dating. What is wrong with us? We're like, you know what? Let's get him a trip to Ireland for his <laughs> graduation that, so that because was, he doesn't want a relationship. But like, what is that? It, but for me, that's where I was. I had come to a point where I was so, I wasn't looking for a boyfriend. Like I wasn't seeking one out at that point in time. I had become so comfortable and happy mm-hmm. being on my own that for me, he was just a nice companion. He was just a good boy to have around and he was a nice companion and someone to talk to. But when he says, or he's like, you know, I've said, I don't want a relationship. I told him too, like, I'm not looking to date here either. Like, I didn't think that was on the table. I really did at that point before, even then I cared about him and I valued him so much that at that point, I knew that even after he moved back to New York, we would still be in touch. Like we would still be in contact because by that point in time, we cared about each other just as humans. But like we had both discussed at that point, I didn't think, and I remember having this conversation with another friend over Thanksgiving where he asked me like, do you ever see yourself getting married? And like, honestly, like not really. And Dylan and I had talked about that where I'm like, I don't know if I want to get married. Like, I don't know if that's something for me. Like if it happens, I suppose, but it's not something I'm actively seeking. So, yeah. So I, and I was very aware at that point, like I, when I'm not saying this is self, I, I wasn't taking him to Ireland to like make him fall in love with me. And I wasn't do, it just was like, I just 
cared about you and like liked hanging out. Well, I guess like another thing with that too is I think the the thought behind the Ireland trip at that time was that traveling for JC has always been such a like such mm-hmm. an important thing. And it was something that she valued so much. And I think at that time I hadn't even left the country. Been out of the country. So I've been out of the country with JC. Yeah. Yes, I know. Like <laughs> yeah. we've been out of, and exactly. It's, and you know that like and finding someone, I'm like, okay, this is someone where I get along with so well. Mm-hmm. Like we could travel together. Yeah. Awesome. I have a travel part, you know, there's this one time JC called me and was like, Hey, do you want to go to Greece? And I was like, first of all, I have no money, but second of all, you have no money. (laughs) And she was like, well, Um, I'll figure it out. Do you want to come or not? And I ended up obviously not going, but like, that's what it is to be friends with JC. Just like, Hey, do you want to go here? (laughs) Yeah. Nope. I know. Which is so funny because like when we went to Ireland, I was so stressed out ahead of time, like about money. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom even saying that to me. She said, JC, she mentioned Greece. She's like, you went to Greece when you didn't have a pot to pee in. Why are None. you stressing about this right now? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're right. Like I've yeah. traveled with less money than this. This will yeah. be fine. Yeah. But you, the, I always have you in the back of my head whenever I'm like stressed out about things like that. Cause I'm like, this bitch made it work. I can make it work. <laughs> That's always our thing, which is crazy because since Dylan has known me, I've been more stressed about money than I ever used to be. And even within our relationship, which is fast forwarding, like 2020, before 2020 hit, we already, he was taking a service position and it were a, a service year. Yeah. And that was something that we said where it's like, we'll make it work. Mm-hmm. moving to Colorado mm-hmm. will make it work. Like it, it will work somehow. Well, let's talk about this fork in the road because okay, <clears throat> yeah, it sounds like conveniently because you were on your way to this trip, you kind of like stalled out at the fork in the road and had some time to figure out which direction to go. And I feel like when you don't have that time to pause and think about what's on the other side of each of these directions. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can, like you said, you would have, you would have been like middle finger by, but I feel like that's almost the pain that would cause you to be like middle finger by is almost the compass to tell you to go in the direction that is like, let's see what's on the other side. He was on the other side, but you wouldn't be able to listen to it if you weren't forced into that corner. That's exact. That's nail on the head because I remember very vividly having that choice. Like I immediately after he told me I wanted, I wanted to be out of the car. I wanted to be, I wanted to yell at him. I wanted to do these things. Instead, that's where I took that beat instead of reacting. I'm like, I don't have the option to react right now because I'm trapped. I have to carefully respond Yeah, and say, we can turn the car around, but that gave me time to think like, well, what was my expectation with this trip anyway? Like, what would be the point of turning the car around right now? So i made him stop at a gas station and I went into the bathroom and I turned on the bidet in this gas station and sat on the toilet with a bidet, a bidet at a gas station. It's a clean one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and really nice it's a nice gas station. <laughs> and I remember sitting there and being like, okay, JC, he was honest. 
respect the fact above anything else, he was being honest and ultimately protecting you because like, and that's how I saw it was like, if he didn't respect me, he wouldn't have told me. And since he does respect me, I have to respect his honesty. So I think I got back in the car and just said, thank you for your honesty and for telling me. And I think he was like, I didn't expect you to respond that way, which is like, well, what the fuck did you think I was going to respond? Like, so you were planning a blow up. I don't know. Well, so then when did that change for you, Dylan? Like, when did it become like, there's this one other person that I want to date? Because when you said that, I was like, oh my God, this is about to be so romantic. And he's going to be like, it's you. But that's not what you said. The same thing. When, when did it become well, now I want to date you. And was it ever like, okay, now there are two people that I'm willing to date now. And then this person (laughs) just like stays and this person doesn't, or did she just like take her spot? Uh, That's that's a really good question. Um, I know when it happened. (laughs) Oh, it happened like right after that, pretty much. It was like, it was one of those things where I almost said it and then hearing it come out of my mouth it it kind of changed the whole like it narrative. didn't feel true yeah it almost was like well hold on that i don't think that's how i feel and i still am proud of <clears throat> the fact that at that point in time once again i knew that i had grown as a person because once again you know, I don't like being vulnerable and that would have happened. And I would have completely normally shut down. But I remember that night getting to the condo that we were staying at and standing on the balcony and having a discussion about love and what love meant. And Dylan said, I remember like saying like, yeah, but I could probably say that like, I love you. Like I care about you enough to say that I like love you. He's like, I remember Dylan saying like, okay, if love is becoming (laughs) any part of this equation at all, I really think that we just need to pump the brakes on everything, (laughs) which again, you would think would make me be like, and this is me. You could go with it one way. I was confident in who I was and what we had, or I was a delusional female because I remember looking at him as he was saying that and being like, oh my God, you are lying you're lying. Like, and I just looked at him. I remember having a Jameson in one hand and a cigarette in the other sitting on this balcony. (laughs) Like, You're lying to yourself. Just thinking that. And by the next day for the wedding, like we ended up having such a fun night that night, the night that he told me he was in love with another woman, we still had so much fun. And the next day at the wedding, we had so much fun. Not, I mean, the wedding was fun, but we had so much fun together. Yeah, and just it, the trip in general. Just the trip. We just were having such a good time together. And it was that night that he was like, I don't even remember what brought it up. And he's like, yeah, but you're my girl. And I'm like, the fuck, bro? Like, just last night, you were saying <laughs> you were in love with someone else. And suddenly. Get it together. Guys. Get it together. <laughs> but it was, it was like, yeah. I had already known, like, he had to say that to to know whether it was true or not. And I don't know. I just knew I'm like, no, man, you're in love with me. You're yeah. in love with me. <laughs> that pretty much checks out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like my emotions, I think I was kind of spot on with reading you in that moment. Yeah. 
So what think, happened with the move to New York? Um, well, I think that because that been, must have happened like soon after, right? Just three, three weeks, weeks, yeah. Three weeks later, because a week later, he came home to meet my fam to come to the ranch and meet my family. Mm-hmm. One week later, a week after that, he told me he loved me, and mm-hmm. four days after he told me he loved me, he called me his girlfriend which he's like I would like to but I know you don't like labels I'm like you can call I'm in love like you can call me your girlfriend and I remember him being like oh my god yes you're my girlfriend and being so excited and then three days later he moved yeah was, was there talk about a plan sorry go ahead Dylan I keep cutting you off oh no you're fine um actually I do want to kind of talk about that because we we did kind of have a plan right yeah I mean we thought we had a plan uh and if i remember correctly is you were gonna go out there at some point we we talked about you moving to new york yeah we talked about that but we knew by which that was what was so weird about our relationship too is that the trajectory of it was so everything had to happen quickly Mm -hmm. like once we decided that we cared about each other like we had to figure it out quickly because he was moving then in three weeks. Yeah. And when he moved, we had the knowledge that we were going to do long distance and see how it worked. If we were still making things work after a year, then we would talk about moving in together. And then it was after a few weeks, it was like, no, by the end of the year, we're going to be living together. Then the next time we saw each other, it was by the end of the summer, we're going to be living together. Then the next time we saw each other, he went back to New York and I called him and I'm like, do you want to move in? And so, well, I think, I think before that you called your mom. I did. I, <laughs> your mom asked you, well, have you asked him yeah. if mm-hmm. he would move back here? And then you asked me. And I just immediately said, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Cause I told him, I'm like, no, I, she's like, why aren't you two living together? Because at that point too, it did make sense, which is a lot to say from a mother, a very Christian mother who doesn't even yeah. want her daughter living with someone before marriage. And at that point in time, we were spending so much money flying back and forth from New York to Nebraska and mm-hmm. to Ireland and Wales. And when she said that, I'm like, I don't know. And she's, I'm like, cause and by that point in time, I had started to look for jobs in New York, but my career was set in Lincoln and I it just, I had a place of my own and we didn't really have a plan in New York. And yeah, that's my mom asked, have you asked him? And I said, no, well, why don't you ask him? And I did thinking like, Oh God, I can't ask this of him because he was dying to move back to New York and missed his family so much that I felt like the villain asking him to move back and he hated Nebraska and not <laughs> Nebraska. He hated Lincoln. Yeah. I and Lincoln. so I felt like a villain asking him, but without hesitation, he's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, oh, okay. So within five months again, we were living together, which was crazy because like when he moved though, we had been dating for a week at that point, mm-hmm. I was devastated. I was the biggest hot mess I had ever been. I couldn't stop sobbing. It was, a, I was a disaster. And I think it was just because like, 
in my mind, I found someone that I truly thought I, when people say, when you know, you know, and it's like, I knew, and he was the person that I could see myself spending the rest of my life with, but I'm like, but he's moving and long distance is hard. And most couples don't make it work. And it was so Mm -hmm. scary for me that I'm like, I finally actually found someone that I think I do want to spend the rest of my life with. And it's probably not going to happen because he just moved away, especially a week after we started dating. But five months later, he was living with me. So yeah. What happened for you, Dylan, in, in that time of like, uh, wanting to be back in New York and deciding to ultimately not be around your family, all of, all of those, like, Um, was there ever a question? No, I mean, it was more, there was more of a question of how is this going to play out? Cause I mean, we did, we talked about, you know, her moving there and I don't even think we ever really talked about me moving back until she just asked me. Um, but kind of as time went on, it was just kind of getting real, real frustrating that we had to live so far away for so long. Um, and I kind of figured, well, I mean, the hell, why, what's the difference between, you know, staying here for another half a year, just getting out there now, you know, mm-hmm. I can find work. I'll make it, I'll make it happen. I'm already familiar with Nebraska. And I think that was a big thing too, was, um, I, I mean, I had worked with my brother in New York, but at that time it wasn't very consistent work. She had already an established business and was doing very well. So, I mean, I'd be able to come back and find something at least for the meantime. And I did. I, that was when I started working for the city. Um, but yeah, once she finally asked me, it was, I think it was more, more so excitement of starting a new, like a new adventure. Yeah. And not just like for me, it was, we were doing it as us, mm-hmm. you know, and moving in. I've never lived with a girlfriend before. I'd never lived with a boyfriend before. <laughs> so it was like, this is super exciting. You know, I don't even care where it is. And we, at that point we had talked, you know, if I'm going to move back, we'll end up going somewhere else. That was a big thing too, is that if we're living, doing long distance, we'll be spending so much money on flights back and forth. And we talked about wanting to move to Colorado and, Mm -hmm. or someplace new for the both of us. And our thought was like, if we're doing long distance, we'll never be able to save up to move anywhere else. If we're moving, if we're living in New York, we won't be able to save up anything ever. Yeah. And <laughs> if we're in Nebraska, that gives us the option because I have enough income here right now. And my rent was so dirt cheap at the time mm-hmm. that I'm like, we could do this. We could actually save up and, and do it. And that obviously like got postponed for two years, but yeah, that got slapped in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in the meantime, you guys have lived in a camper. You've uh, you've got you got a house, even though you didn't you didn't buy it, which I just learned. Um, (laughs) And then, but how many? So there have been like multiple homes in Lincoln, right? And then now you're in Colorado. Yes. Yes. So we lived when he moved in with me. I had the most adorable little two bedroom apartment. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. 
it was adorable. Like I got it on my own. Then my friend moved in with me, a guy with his three-year-old son. And that was still, it was plenty of space for the three of us, which I always say too, bless Dylan. We just were talking about this, him trusting me enough, starting to date a woman who lived with another man, my age, attractive, charming man. Yeah. And there, his three-year-old son didn't phase him ever that this 22 year old was around a three-year-old didn't phase him. <laughs> um, but after they moved out and Dylan was moving in, Dylan's big, Dylan's a big man. And my, it was tight. It was, tight. <laughs> it was a very old building, small, and mm-hmm. he like, didn't fit in my apartment. <laughs> so that's, yeah, we then got a different place. And then not to mention too, we wanted to get a dog. Mm-hmm. And my apartment didn't allow dogs. So we got a different place that was much larger that allowed dogs. Then he got a position. His service year was in Iowa. Yep. And he was driving an hour and a half every day to work. An hour and 15 something. something like that. He had yeah. a long commute. So that's when we decided we couldn't find any places between Lincoln mm-hmm. and Iowa. So we're like, well, I guess we'll, we're like, we bought a camper so we can yes. split the difference and moved into that full time. Yeah. In Iowa was- or just like going back and forth? Uh, so we started in Iowa, in Honey Creek, Iowa. It was maybe 10 minutes from where I worked. In my friend's parents' front yard. Yeah. Actually, her roommate. For my roommate. The roommate that she <laughs> lived with, his parents' front yard. Um. And I, I mean, it was great. It was great. Yeah. (laughs) And then from there, I think we were there for two weeks. Two weeks. Um, And then from there, we went down to Glenwood, Iowa. Which was a little, it was just a park, just a little town park that we lived in. Like a little gravel lot next to a lake or, yeah. And. But it was three, three, what, 300 bucks a month to park the camper there, full hookups, everything. Mm -hmm. So you went from like. You were like, this apartment is too small. And then you're like, you know, what's a great idea? This camper. Let's that's live in this camper together. No, because also not having for either of you to never have been in a relationship before or in a in a live-in relationship before, mm-hmm. that what came up? <laughs> what came, with us living together? Yes. Because you know there's going to be stuff that comes oh. up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was. Which is weird because like any of the time since we were doing long distance, we just were talking to my friend about this this past week because mm-hmm. she's about to move in with her boyfriend. And she's like, well, I basically live with him. And I'm like, I have had relationships like that where I basically live with someone. Not the same. There's, what was that? Not the same. Not, <laughs> it's not the same. And yeah. there's that difference where, and I thought like, well, Anytime that we've been spending together, it's long distance. So we're basically only spent, like we're only together during that time. When you move in with someone, there is a, a spent, and it's different from having roommates because even in roommate situations, you have to figure out like who's doing what around the house. Mm -hmm. How do we live together when you move in with a significant other? And I don't know if people, they don't really warn you. They say it's hard, but it's hard to figure out your role in that. And I think off the bat, I had a harder time because 
And I struggled with this when we moved in together. I struggled with this when we got married. I don't think it helped living in Nebraska when Nebraska has, and I don't want to generalize totally, but how I grew up and the people that I was around, there is, there are gender roles and there are kind of expectations for relationships. And the word wifey is thought of as something that's cute and funny and to be proud of. I didn't see myself living, giving up. I I felt like I was giving up independence. I felt like I was giving up a part of who I was, that I was so happy being on my own, that suddenly having someone move in with me, it felt like I was losing, like giving away part of myself. And that happened when we got married, where I was just a total bitch for probably the first two months of our marriage, because I didn't know, I I never saw myself or thought about how to see myself as a wife. And that was, it was just weird having that label. But then I realized like, he's not applying that label to me. (laughs) He's not taking away my independence. Like he's not doing those things. So it was just about me trying to reframe how I saw my story and I saw my role and learning that he doesn't have these set expectations for me. So yeah, when he moved in or actually when we got our own place together, it was the weekend we were moving in when I had my first meltdown and it was not pretty and it was over a bookshelf. Naturally, it was over a bookshelf. I'll never forget. I had this bookshelf that I loved. It was just so my style. And my last apartment was so my style. We move into this new place. It's very just cookie cut. I don't, it just was, it had no character. It was a townhome complex. It was a townhome complex. So the, you know, you know what the granite countertops looked like. You know what the hardware on the cupboard on the cabinets looked like. It didn't. It, it didn't have me anywhere in it, but I, I wanted to take my bookcase and we brought it upstairs in because townhome up into the second level. And we were trying to figure out where it, it would go. And Dylan's like, I think it works great there. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It's stupid. And he put it over in a different area. I'm like, no, it looks ugly there. And it clashes with the cabinets. And then I just, he's like, honey, what did you even say? I lost it. I started bawling because I'm like, if the bookcase doesn't fit here, I don't fit here. (laughs) It just was this whole me trying to force myself into this mold that I thought existed. Mm -hmm. And Dylan said, what were your words? You're like, honey, when I see that bookcase, it looks like you. So it looks great wherever we put it. It fits no matter where it goes. And I'm like, why do you have to come at me with something so perfect? (laughs) So he just left me alone for a bit and I got through that. Um, And then you had a little bit. That doesn't sound bitchy to me. That sounds completely reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. That was just moving in general. Yeah. It was psychotic, but it was reasonable. Dylan had his big breakdown you're come to Jesus with it, like probably two weeks in. What was it? You had been a real big dick to me. 
And so much, I smart started carrying around smoky quartz in my pocket because he has a very heavy energy. So like if he's, you know, like yeah. if he's feeling moody, you can't, it's, it's, it's I get clean. it, Dylan. I get it. <laughs> yes, you get it. Jack gets there's, it. I think no I, hiding it. There's, there's I no think I've made this masking. comparison where there's no masking it. It's like, you get this so hard where, and I feel for it because I'm like, if your mood isn't in the right place, mm-hmm. it it's not you projecting it. It's just so heavy that it clings to anything it can find. And I'm very, I'm the type of person that allows that energy to cling to very easily. So he was just in a dicky energy state <laughs> for a couple of weeks, but this was right after he had started working full-time for the first time ever. He just started living with a girlfriend for the first time ever moved away from his family, like moved back here. So I was just really patient with it. Carried my smoky quartz to absorb his negativity. And Did you know Dylan, why, while you were feeling this way, why that like, oh. those were all of the reasons. Did you clock that? Or were you just like in a bad mood? I think I was just, I was just going through it. I don't yeah. even think, I don't, I don't think I had properly analyzed it or I don't even think I'd kind of, I don't want to say I didn't realize, realize that I was in that mood, but it wasn't um, as obvious to me that it was having such an outward effect, I guess. Taking such a toll on me. Yeah. And I didn't have to say anything. Like one day he texted me and was like, hey, we need to talk when you get home. And I'm like, oh my God, I left my underwear on the kitchen counter or something. <laughs> like... And I got home and he, it's not unreasonable and it still happens, but he like (laughs) opens, opens up, whips open the shower. And he's like, Hey, hun. Yeah. We need to have a conversation. And he sat me down on the bed, which this then brought up a different thing that we had to work through and still continue to work through. Um, He sat me down. He's like, I'm so sorry. I haven't been that nice to you. I haven't been present. Like, just apologized for the way he'd been acting. And he was at that point aware. He's like, I've, it's been stressful making this transition. You are more vocal about dealing with it. I haven't known how I felt. So I'm working through that. Please continue to be patient with me. I started bawling, of course, with the smoky quartz. I'm like, I know you've been mean because I've been having to carry this around, but Then that brought up a whole different thing that we still work on. That is a flaw of mine. I just actually saw this like quote, whatever, where like with relationships, admit when you're wrong, shut up when you're right. I have a hard time doing that. And in that moment, when he was apologizing, the same stuff that he had just apologized for, I felt the need to reiterate of all the things that he'd done wrong. Like, yeah, you've been doing this and you've been doing this. And he's like, yeah, I just fucking said that to you, crazy lady. Like I just said, sorry for it. So that's something we've had to work through. Cause I still do that. Mm. No, and actually not so much anymore. I try to catch myself on it. I'm, uh, I'm thinking about like when we were at the crux of our friendship yes. and I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if I know even, I don't think that I was in a headspace of like noticing something like that, but I definitely know that I get the like heavy energy clinging and mm-hmm. 
accidentally making people feel a certain way, but I, it, it probably doesn't take so much anymore, but I definitely used to like, not really want to bring it up. It's really hard for me to bring up, bring something up when I'm wrong. Yeah. So it takes somebody else bringing it up. And then I guess I can apologize if I'm like Mm -hmm. sure what I'm apologizing for. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But sometimes too, that's also great. Cause I think of like the, the, well, I'm sure there's multiple, but I think of the one time that you and I had a very difficult time. And Mm -hmm. when you said we need to talk and you sat down and apologized and like had things written out, like in the most earnest apology, someone who's apologizing all the time for things that they don't even know that they did wrong. It doesn't mean as much versus when someone who, which not saying don't apologize, like, but someone like you, where you're not saying sorry all the time. When you say sorry, it's like, shit, this is big. Like this is because she really means this right now. Do you know what I mean? You're not, you're not handing out sorries like candy. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting though, because I, I do think about that a lot. Um, and like, I think about that moment and like the moment that sort of like broke the straw, the the straw that broke the camel's back, which was like me filing my nails and not paying attention to this moment. So it's like, and then that was like the end took months after that. And I think that like in my head, there's nothing inherently wrong with me having been filing my nails and missing a moment that had happened. But I think that it affected you differently because it was the compilation of a lot of things that had been going on that neither of us wanted to talk about. So like, yeah. So like you talking about how it's difficult for you or at some point in your life was difficult for you to be vulnerable with someone. And then I just am like, that I don't like that. That's not happening. Like it I just, just doesn't happen. That if, it, if I don't like it, it is not happening. Um, <laughs> and that's that energy that I understand that. And I think that it honestly, that might've been like a line in the sand for me, like that maybe that's why I think about it so much because I, I think that I needed to be like, all right, well, is that not happening because I don't like it? Or is it not worth like me not wanting to apologize or not wanting to admit fault, not worth the friendship. Yeah, no. See, that's interesting because that tidbit scuffle between you and I, it also, it brought, it's helped me a lot with conflict that I've had because I remember it very vividly, very with the utmost humility, I remember you saying, no, this isn't your fault. And that right there, and this isn't me being like, it was your, this isn't me doing what I was just telling Mm -hmm. I do to Dylan. That was so huge and so meaningful to me to have someone say that. And that's been something big too with Dylan is like, I know I, I've moved through it the older I've got, but like, I think relationships, I was very susceptible to abusive relationships and even friendships and where I always, and I think that comes a big part of like even the abusive relationships where I was in with being gaslighted and 
always thinking that everything is my fault. If there is a conflict, it's because I did something wrong. Like it, it clearly was something that my actions had a part in. And I remember in that moment, because still throughout all of that, I reflected so much on my actions and I had actions of mine where I'm like, this could have been the catalyst that caused this. And I should have, and could have done this differently. And that's something that I appreciate about myself with conflict resolution that I do do that work to be like, what did I do wrong to cause this? What have I done in this instance that could have hurt somebody or made somebody upset? But for the first, one of the first times ever, like now Dylan, Dylan's stuff, but like you were one of the first people ever to say you didn't like, this was, mm. this was my fault and it's okay. And I'm like, and that was just so beautiful. Cause for the first time, like that I could remember on record, it was the first time someone gave me the space to not feel shameful about myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. We're like, you were the oh, yeah. first person to give me oh, that yeah. permission. And like Dylan, like he, he gives me that permission. Like if there's conflicts and I haven't done anything, like in that moment, that was one time when he's like, you're not doing anything wrong. This is just something that I have to work through. And thank you for being present while I'm working through it. Because there's been other mm -hmm. conflicts in my life since then. And anything that we've been through where I, one in particular, and I won't name names, but it was a conflict where it was devastating to me. And I looked so hard at my actions. Mm. You know exactly what I'm yeah. And I looked so hard at my actions. And at the end of the day, still, when the conversation came up, it was the first time that I gave myself the permission to say, I didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Like I did what I thought was best. If it wasn't best, I'm sorry, but I did what I thought was the best thing to do. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd been able to give myself that permission. I think because something just came up recently for me where I realized I admit fault very easily. Like I will say, this is my fault. Like I, I did this. I can hear those and words coming out of your mouth. always in a genuine way. It's it, but the thing is, it's not always genuine. I hate for this to sound like manipulative in a way that makes me seem like I'm doing it because I know the outcome, but it's almost easier for me to say it's my fault because then on. yes. And, and I, but I don't always move on. And, yeah. and I think what sucks is that I, it's easier for me to handle being wrong than it is for me to let people know that something is bothering me and them have to deal with them being wrong because it's really hard to be wrong. Like yeah. it, it can like really bring me down to be wrong, but it's still a lot easier for me to handle than if I'm telling somebody else that they hurt me. And I know that they're spiraling in the way that I would, if I was wrong. So at lately I've been thinking about that because I'm like, Maybe I just need to deal with other people being able to deal with their shit. That's literally like, maybe it's say. not always my fault. No, but that's something too. I think it's also good to give people the space to deal with being wrong. 
Cause like sometimes the other person is wrong. And I think being wrong is also something where that is a difficult emotion to deal with. And sometimes you've got to deal with it in order to grow as a person, which is literally in the conflict I was talking about. I put that onto somebody where I'm like, you have to deal with this. And Mm -hmm. it was the first time that they'd ever been told that. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know how to deal with, with that and being wrong and living with the choices that you make. And that's how you grow, I guess. But I get it. Cause like if Dylan's upset about something or feels bad about something, not even towards me, but just in general, like I never want you to feel sad. Like I, and I know in particular, like you are very, very hard on yourself mm-hmm. when he thinks he's done something wrong or hasn't done the appropriate actions. He takes it so, so personally. And that breaks my heart because I'm like, I don't want you to get an altered state of the brilliant human that you are, but he takes it. So he internalizes it so hard and takes it out on himself hard. I guess I just, I just get very disappointed in myself. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I know I've had to work on that because I don't want for you to be expressing something that I've done wrong. And then for some reason, you have to feel bad about that because it's making me feel bad, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's not fair. You should be able to yeah. express that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I so actually do hate that too. Yeah. So I've been working really hard on kind of um, working through that, you know, in a manner that doesn't, where it doesn't kind of rebound back onto you that I guess uh, that the, gives me being the, upset. Yeah. You know? Giving me the freedom to say what's upsetting me mm-hmm. without turning it into and I, I don't want to say pity party because that sounds like yeah. less than what it is but there is something too about you wanting to tell someone how they hurt you and then knowing that they're gonna go lock themselves in the closet and etch in the wall all the reasons they hate <laughs> themselves yeah. you know what I mean like yeah. I don't want you to do that I mean at the end of the day it's all it's really it's just like a bunch of little kids and grown people's bodies being like triggered by a bunch of things. And neither of us know why the other part, like, it's just, it's a natted tangle mm-hmm. of like old habits and codependency and triggers and all of that stuff. And that's so I think the trigger thing is a good word too, because a lot of times like the trigger, something that triggers you or upsets you with another person is something that is something about yourself that bothers you. Yep. And that's like something where it's like, that's always a good opportunity to look at. Like, am I bothered actually with that person or am I bothered because it's something about me? And it's also like with that, it's also with the triggers, picking your battles. Like if there's to me, sometimes I can get annoyed with things or bothered by things. And I go to the place, like I'll sometimes get quiet and just like deal with them a little bit, but sometimes it'll be like, yes, this is worth bringing up Mm -hmm. to you. Other times it's like, this is my own issue and it's not that big of a deal. And if I bring it up, is Dylan saying sorry for the, A, is this something that he should be sorry for? Even if it is, 
Is it something that if he says, sorry, am I going to feel better from it? Is it going to make the situation? Is it going to change anything? And if it doesn't, then what's the point? And most of those things come up once again, going all the way back with expectations, because Mm -hmm. if you have an expectation of how something's going to go in your mind and it doesn't go that way or an expectation for this person and a big part of that. And we've had to work through this where if I don't communicate, I have a hard time. That's been a big thing with us is communicating, communicating how I expect something is going to go communicating what plans we have communicating, but like what my expectations are Mm -hmm. then getting upset when he does something that doesn't fit my expectations but I didn't tell him that's what I was expecting in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's a, a lot that you just brought up. Um, <laughs> there's like, like, you know, picking your battles. I always call that the price of admission. And I think you have that with everybody, like almost even that's something that you can apply to your relationship to self sometimes. And like that idea that of mirrors, like everybody around you and specifically a significant other or dogs in your case, or possibly children are like everything that they do is a reflection of you. And also I think like you brought it up in almost like a negative sense, like that's something that I don't like about myself. But I think one thing that we don't give ourselves enough grace with is that the good things about, about the people in our lives are the good things about us that have yeah. them in our lives in the first place. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I know with <clears throat> kind of hearing JC talk about kind of the picking your battles and what's worth bringing up. Uh, I remember an old coworker of mine. Uh, he was probably in his forties. Um, He'd been married for a while, and I think one of the best things he ever told me was, um, you know, you, you want to choose happiness rather than choosing to be right. Mm. So there are definitely times where, you know, things do need to be brought up. And, you know, it's, it's not going to benefit anybody if I'm doing something or JC's doing something and it, it really does have an adverse effect on the other um, where you don't want that to continue, especially if they don't realize that they're doing it, you know, so it needs to be addressed. But there are definitely things that I've had to kind of work through internally because that's just kind of. I had myself seeing something go a different way than how JC's doing it, so it's not yeah. her fault. Mm-hmm that I don't like what, what we're doing, you know, I just need to realize that I'm not, you know, my way isn't always the right way or the only right way. Um, Which we get into that. Like, I feel like just the past couple moving in, you, you were in one of those kind of state, but I've gotten good at being like, stop, stop it. Like I, (laughs) I can recognize when he's doing that which then even just bringing up like you're doing this and then he stops it. Even if he, I think it's interesting too with Dylan, even if he argues back in the moment, I know that whatever I said left an impression. 
it, and it made its way through. It made its way through. And <laughs> even if he's arguing back, like I'm being fine, the behavior will be dropped. It'll be gone. Because even if he like defends that he's doing so, I know he will take that and be like, okay, I am snapping at her for no reason. Yeah. Well, what's interesting to me is that like we're talking about expectations, right? And neither of you really at the beginning of all of this saw yourselves in a relationship in a marriage with the other person necessarily. And now there it's like, it's so interesting because we go from not seeing ourselves and then there's not an expectation to realizing that there actually are expectations Mm -hmm. and communicating that to ourselves first is what needs to happen. I think. I think that though, too, that was when you say like moving in together, getting married, that was the hardest thing for me and bless Dylan for giving me the grace. And for, I had more expectations for myself than still (laughs) what he had for me. Like meltdown I had once was we were just talking when we moved in together, my mom did it all. She was like super mom. She could work all day, be the breadwinner, come home, make sure our clothes, our practice jerseys were washed every night, made supper, cleaned up after supper, graded papers, woke us up the night, did it all, made sure coffee was on first thing, like everything, made sure the whole family was fed, everyone was taken care of, worked full time. I'm, I saw that like, not as a gender role so much as a I'm capable of this. I am, I have just, it's the whole, I have just as many hours in a day type of thing. Mm -hmm. I can do that. I did it a week. (laughs) I was waking up. He was out the door at 545 in the morning. I was waking up in the morning, making him coffee, making him breakfast, getting lunch packed for him to take to lunch or to work, doing laundry. When he came home, (laughs) He didn't ask any of I, this. That of was going to be my next question. Did he ask for any he of didn't, it? No, no, he didn't ask for any of it. I did it a weekend. I remember being like, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, okay, I didn't ask you to, like, <laughs> you don't have to. I'm like, wait, what? You'll still love me if I don't cook you breakfast and make coffee immediately like that. It switched back, which maybe he regrets, but I went straight back into being who I was, which is him having to drag me by the toes out of bed in the morning. He has to physically lift me up in the morning and put Mm -hmm. coffee to my lips and make sure that he has to check on me four times between feeding the dogs, getting them out the door to take them out to potty in the morning, waking me up, getting himself out the door. And like, right there, I'm like, okay, like I set up, I was beginning to set up false expectations, which he didn't even have. But fortunately, like the second they were dropped, he was like, okay, this is probably more of what he was expecting in the first place because I'm a hot mess. Like I am. And (laughs) also too, like with that was hard because like with my job, like I work physically, which is also one of the really hard things I think with us in a relationship, we both have very physical jobs. So that's always a thing is feeling, I think, especially in relationships, even in roommate situations, Mm -hmm. but especially in relationships, I right now have not been working the past two weeks. When Dylan gets home, I feel like, well, I haven't been working. So I feel like he's, and he's not doing it, but 
but I feel like there's this pressure on me to do 110 things because he's working during the day and I'm not, but I'm like, well, I just had to have this conversation with myself, not with him where it's like, I've been working my ass off for so long. Like I need this time. And I've been very productive still here at home. And there's so many business odds and ends. I'm not, not doing anything. So like, that's one picking my bat. Like that's not something he's Mm -hmm. putting on me. That's something I'm doing to myself where he comes home at night and I'm like, Oh my God, he's mad at me because I'm not working. Mm -hmm. No, he's not. I'm just, well, if there's anything that I do want being done while I'm at work, I usually will just tell you. You'll just tell me. Yeah. And that's, that's all I expect. That's the only, when I ask you to do something and you, you agree, and then that's the only kind of expectation I'm going to have for when I get home, which is also hard for someone like me with ADHD. He tells me that. And it's sometimes like in here and straight out the other, but Dylan, do you have any things comparable where it's like, cause I, I completely under, I'm like on your page Jay, about like when I wake up at 11 and there's nobody in my bed but me and I don't do anything but sit down and watch Netflix all day. There's nobody to judge me or worry about judging me. And quite frankly, because I am the age that I am and still single, I do kind of think about that in those moments where I'm like, how many episodes did I just watch? And I can do this because there's nobody around to one judge me or two for me to project the judgment on because there's no way that I would ever, I would ever, but like, I don't imagine myself being like, let me sit here all day and watch TV. If there's actually somebody around to, for, to see it happening, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. Like, I wonder if for you, Dylan, there's like a similar thing where you're like, this makes me human. And it's not something that I would have to worry about if it, if it weren't for another human being around. Uh, so I guess like you're asking if I have any of those, I don't say vices, but like those little things that I worry about. Well, honestly, with. I don't know if it's like an, I don't know if it's an insecurity. Like it's something, it's something mm. that happens when there's somebody like, else around. Yeah. yeah. It's that societal expectation type yeah. thing that we're supposed to be some way. Or even that it's almost like when you think about a relationship, like all of you single people out there who think about what it's going to be like when you're in a relationship and you wake up in the morning and you're like so fresh faced because you just got eight hours and then you have incredible morning sex and then he goes to make the coffee while you're scrambling the eggs and then you <laughs> hop in the shower and then somebody has lunch and you're like, bye hun. And then you come home after you've gotten like four really cute text messages while they're at work. And then you come home and there's dinner and it's delicious. And you're like, what are we going to do today? And you like have a puzzle out. This is obviously my fantasy, um, <laughs> but <laughs> there like, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because like, I mean, there are days, there are some, yeah, there, I think that's also one of those things where not so much the morning stuff, not so the morning stuff doesn't have, it doesn't yeah, have, I've, I've been there. I've been there pulling JC out of bed. Yeah. For sure. You get it. And not <laughs> too, it's like even the morning sex thing where it's like, Oh my God, go brush your teeth. Like you didn't even shower. Like, like that's the stuff where it's like, dude, I, I have to poop this morning. Get off of me. Like that's actually what mornings look or just like, I'm freaking tired. Like, yeah. but 
I think, oh, I was going to say, this is hard because I'm like, I want Dylan to answer this. Which one? The expectation thing of yourself where you. Oh, yeah, I guess I expect everything out of myself. That's okay. But Dylan's flaws, not his flaws. It's, they're not flaws. Your humanness, which maybe is a man thing versus a woman thing, but I even know men can be this way. One of the things that I love about Dylan and that is really, really good for me. And this is one of the first things that when we started seeing each other, it was Meg, you know, Megan, my friend, Megan, when she and I were in Ecuador, we were FaceTiming and I can't remember what it was that he was going to do that weekend. But I was like, well, why are you doing that? And he's like, cause I want to. And I'm like, and Megan thought that was the coolest thing because mm-hmm. I feel like, and I don't know if that is a, a the gender thing again, where it's like, as women, it's like, well, we have to have a reasoning and this is, but if Dylan feels like doing something, he does it. If he doesn't want to do something, he's like, I don't want to. And I always notice that like on weekends, on Sundays, and when I'm like, Oh God, sorry, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm being lazy. I just don't feel like doing anything. He's like, good. I don't yeah. either. Like, it's okay. That's what I planned for this. That's what I planned. <laughs> but the uh, interesting thing with like, the how you see a relationship going I think it's hard because what Dylan said earlier what was it that your coworker used to say oh yeah you should choose happiness over being right that reminds me yes that reminded me of like relationships too what I have found is that being married is not it's not easy but it doesn't have to be hard and there's a fine line between that where it's like, it's not easy. There's stuff you have to work through, but it's not hard. Our relationship has never been, it's not easy, but it's not hard. And I feel like so mm-hmm. many times you hear people say like, marriage is hard. Well, you need to take a look at that of why it's so hard. Because like apart from mornings, yeah, there are days that it's like, we do get out of puzzle and mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. still cuddle and hold hands and cook dinner and laugh like those things still exist and I think it's hard because there's that automatic once again expectation from society that it's all blissful but then the reality is that it's no it's not it's hard and when marriage is hard you should expect that and it's like it's compromised it's compromised but it still is enjoyable like you still still should want to be around but like you're compromising so like I compromise, I guess, certain things that I want to do that for things that I know that we both enjoy because we're both compromising those selective things that we enjoy, but the other doesn't. Yeah. So, you know, I wait to watch my shows like The Witcher until, you know, you go out or. I'm cooking dinner. He watches it then. then I, when, it's, when it's just me, you know, that's when I'll do that. But it's not like. It's very, it's very, very few times where it's one of us dragging the other person along to mm-hmm. do something that they are going to dread. Or, But I think both of you are really good at like, if it's going to be a drag, then like, just stay here. And both of yeah. you are, or like you go and I won't. Um, yeah. I think you're pretty good at that. Yeah. There's not that codependency thing of, and there's the trust thing too. That's always <laughs> so strange is that some couples aren't actually comfortable with their significant <laughs> other doing other things because they just don't trust them to do it shoot i got super hammered last night 
JC came to pick me up. <laughs> Shoot. Shoot. It's funny. It's, it, I actually realized something that I did not expect out of marriage, but gave me such like, I guess, a warm feeling. Um, you know, sitting there with a bunch of buddies from work and you kind of have that moment you realize like, all right, I'm not going to be able to drive home. I'm going to leave my truck here. And it's like, I have somebody that I can call or text who, you know, in this just all out drunk and just gone state, I can have that person come. And as soon as I go and get in the car, I'm safe. You know, I have, I have a safety net at all times. And it was just, I had never actually thought about that, I guess, which was, and how nice it was and how comforting it was. And like that drive home, I just felt so secure. I mean, this is last night, which was really cute because he gets in the car and he's like, thank you so much, honey. Oh God. It just feels good to be in here with you. It's just, I feel so safe. And I'm like, well, you are like that. That's great. But he's like, but I realize, no, babe, babe, those other guys, they don't have that. They don't have someone that they can just feel comfortable and safe yeah. with. And you're, you're my safe landing space. And I'm like, Oh God, I'm so like, it's like, I'm not, I'm not ordering Uber home where I have to like not fall asleep in the Uber or, worry about like throwing up in an uber um Mm -hmm. i can throw up in her car all i want it's great (laughs) there's definitely that sense of like if somebody's screaming at you for being drunk when you get in the Mm -hmm. car when you get home then there's no you no longer feel safe you're just that little kid in there who's like getting yelled at i was literally (laughs) i was going to say this i think one of those things too is that the getting mad about things certain things it's like we are taught to get mad about Mm -hmm. when in reality, it's like, what is the purpose of being upset for something like this? Mm -hmm. Drunkenness is like one of them. You're and not just drunkenness, but your significant other going and having a good time. That's something you should want them to do. Like that is what also helps sustain a healthy relationship when that person can do fun things for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're taught to be like jealous in those times or upset or get FOMO or if they're drunk, immediately be annoyed. But I mean, sometimes it's annoying because drunk people are just annoying, but I'll never forget the first time I got hammered in front of Dylan. Was it the engagement party? Yes. It was the engagement party. I got so your engagement party. No, 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 no. (laughs) Baker and Emily's engagement party. And they had a lot of whiskey. Like I know Emily's family, like knew it was going to be that way. I got so hammered and Dylan had seen me drunk before, but he had not seen me like whiskey drunk hammered yeah. when I get weird <laughs> and crazy. And I got great. You've seen it. Like I was crazy, mean whiskey drunk, JC. And I got very brownie, but it was the drunkest I'd been in a very long time and ever around him. And the next morning I woke up with that feeling that scaries. scaries. I knew that yeah. I did something bad. I had that feeling like, well, that was it. That was the end of our relationship. I screwed up. 
And I'm like, well, okay. we had a bit of a bout too. Yeah. Which we, that week was hardened because that's when we weren't even living together. It was so long distance. Yeah, that's right. And I was just emotional the whole time. Cause I'm like, you're going to have to leave again. me. But, um, <laughs> I remember saying like, so I'm so sorry. Oh my God. And he's like, it's cool. I'm over it. I'm like, wait, what? And I thought it was that one thing where it's like, you're actually not over it. <laughs> he was honestly just like over it. I'm like, you're not going to shame me or guilt trip me for being a drunk woman at a parties. No, no I don't, I'll make fun of you. I'll make fun of you. Yeah. We'll go get pizza, but like... <laughs> I'm not mad at you. Yeah. And that's like interesting with the safe space. Cause there's been times that I've gone over to girlfriends houses and had too much wine. And I'm like, I could drive home. Or I could call Dylan, but uh, he'll be annoyed. No, he won't be. He won't be annoyed if he comes and picks up his drunk wife. Like, he's not going to be mad about that. And same way, like... I just appreciate you doing it responsibly. Okay, that's exactly it. And, yeah. like, last last night, it's interesting because as we were saying, the picking your battles thing, I'll say this right now and don't be upset. The expectation thing was yesterday, I actually had a dinner to go to in Denver with a few girlfriends. So my, this is though, I, I didn't say I was a little bit annoyed that Dylan did get so drunk <laughs> last night because in my mind, I'm like, this was my night out with the girls. You should have been home taking care of the dogs. Like I shouldn't have to be the one to come get you tonight because this was my night out. I did not tell him that because I didn't communicate that. And that was something that was an unspoken expectation that I had that was unreasonable. So like, that's where I'm like, I talked that through in my head where I'm like, he went and had fun. There's nothing that gave you exclusive rights to this evening. And that's fine. Are you annoyed with him for doing that? Or just because he's drunk? Like, those are not reasons mm-hmm. to be annoyed. That's society. That's what I've been taught to be annoyed about, but I'm I think there's not. also a world in which your response is LOL. I'm drunk too. We both have to Uber <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah. that was like, and truthfully, like that probably would have happened. But like, I, I did know that I was driving home from Denver. So I had two yeah. drinks the whole yeah. night. So it was like, yeah. I, I couldn't have that off, which honestly was probably good thinking on his part. Like, wait a second. My wife's going to be driving between Denver and where I'm at right now. Not drunk. Might be the perfect night to do it. Actually, I hadn't even thought about it. And I mean, I think back, I remember texting you and you, I didn't even have to ask you. You didn't ask me. I just, you just offered to come get me. Because you get a certain uh, grammatical change in your texts when you get drunk. (laughs) There's like this tipping point between Dylan's fine, fine, fine. He's D-R-U-N-K. <laughs> and I saw that tipping point and it was like, literally I'm driving out of Denver. I just had gotten in my car and it was right when I was getting onto the exit to go towards the opposite ways. And he texted, he's like, he just said, yes. Like I had asked, do you need me to pick you up? He just said, yes. I immediately took the exit the opposite <laughs> way. That was that. But. I was, well, what? Yeah. Well, I was going to say. The, only, the reason I answered with just yes is because at that time, my texting was the old one eye, <laughs> two hands, can't, can't, can't get more than three words at a time out. So it was definitely <laughs> necessary. No, well, I'm happy yes. I got to be your safe space. Oh. Babe, I'm so safe. Um, 
So what's next for you guys now that you're in Colorado? Um, well, I'm settling into my job. Um, JC is unemployed, settling, settling into Woo! Colorado itself. <laughs> um, I think, I think we're kind of just going with it. I think we're enjoying it now because, um, I think not actually not too far. It's January already. So here in the next, I think in about four months or so, I'll be end up, I'll be gone a lot, a lot for the summer. Um, and I think we're just kind of enjoying it for right now and enjoying the new adventure. Um, trying, finding out what's going to be like, I guess our thing, you know, trying to find places around, you exploring. know, yeah. And like, I've, I'm trying to say yes more, especially with like mm-hmm. socializing and things like that. Cause one of my things, I really want us to have a community here and know people and have friends and do things. Like I had that mm-hmm. in LA. We didn't have that in Lincoln. And then the pandemic yeah. didn't help. And it really shone a light on like who was there and wanted to hang out. And that's one of those things too, where I'm like, I want to take some time to focus right now. That's what I'm doing is I'm taking time to focus on me and getting a routine back and getting myself back because I've been so married to work for so long that I'm like, I need to start prioritizing me first, get a routine down, get it reintroduced self-care, which I was listening to a podcast actually where it was like self, like when you think of self-care, think of it as sleep, exercise, and sleep encompassing rest Mm -hmm. exercise, whether it's walking the dog, some form of movement, um, love focusing on friendships and relationships and then fun and having fun. And that's, I'm trying to prioritize those things and get more of a habit of doing Mm -hmm. those things before I go back into work because I, I have learned that workaholism is actually a real, like it's a, it's a problem and I can become addicted to work because it's easy to validate that. That makes me feel validated that I'm worth something if I'm working a lot. And so I'm trying to reframe that as well, that it's like, no, take care of yourself first, then work can come in. So that's what I'm doing that right now. And then hopefully next week going to start applying for jobs again, because, you know, income's also a thing. Yeah. Um, rent, rent, you can, but you can plug yourself here for anybody in Colorado who needs their hair done. Well, that's actually, I'm switching careers too. Yeah. Cause I don't want to be, I mean, if I end up in a salon, come see me, but the goal is to not be in a salon. I've, it's never been the long-term goal as you know, and mm-hmm. it's also reframing knowing coming here to looking as our family, looking at our family as a unit. and. Mm-hmm in order to make a living from doing hair, it's very possible. And I was doing great with it. I'm not good enough at setting boundaries and I, I got better at it in yeah. order for me. And this is probably not true across the board. Doing hair doesn't provide me with the kind of life that I want. It does for a lot of other people. It really does for me it's dangerous because workaholism is so possible in it where it's instead of saying 
I only work until six tonight. I'll say, sure. It's another I'll few hundred dollars. If that's I exactly. Now. Yeah. I, it, I always put it in my mind. It's like, would I pay $300 to have this evening off? No, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. But that's essentially what I'm doing if I don't work. So it turns into me working ungodly hours. And then you get home and it's more of that. It's constant. It's running your own business and everything that goes into that. So I'm trying to transition out from that, but having owned two businesses, I know everything that like I've done marketing, I've done graphic design, I've done the interior design, I've done sales, I've done member coordination, I've done community engagement, like all of those things. So I have those skills. So now it's just trying to put them into a role where we can still enjoy time together, have hobbies, hopefully have a family. Yeah. And right now, yeah. Dylan's like, please, God, get a job where we could have a family. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. He's ready. I'm getting there. Dylan's the one who's ready. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, happy, happy unemployment, happy new <laughs> job, happy new Thank home, you. happy baby making, happy. Woo! Yeah happy community building all of it yes thank you for listening to the pink salt podcast pink salt is hosted edited and produced by me jacqueline chantel sound production by dev daily and graphics by Alyssa donaldson if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave a review see you next week